Amen. God bless you. Glad to see you here this morning. And we're thankful for a, a good feeling, the presence of the Lord that is here today. And we trust that you will open your heart and allow the Lord to minister to you and move on you. And the Lord will do great things in your life. We're going to the Word quickly here. And if you're a guest, thank you so much for coming to worship with us. And we look forward to meeting with you, connecting with you. Exodus chapter thir uh, 33 and verse 18. He said, I beseech you, show me thy glory. This is Moses talking to the Lord. Show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. And will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face. For there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me. And thou shalt stand upon a rock. It shall come to pass while thy glory, my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in a cleft of the rock and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away mine hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. I want to talk to you this morning about the cleft in the rock. Amen. Would you pray with me here for a moment? Maybe make contact with somebody nearby you there, just a hand on a shoulder or something. Father, we need you. Come on, let's lift our voices and talk to him. We need you, Father, in this place pray that you would minister in this sanctuary let every heart be touched by you let every mind be open that the spirits of men be ministered to let the glory of the Lord overshadow us in this place let the power of the most high cover us in this place in Jesus name amen Amen. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord? Not just make a noise, but do it as unto the Lord. And lift your voice and give him praise. Would you do it? I love to praise him. I love to praise him. Praise God. You may be seated. There is an awful lot that is happening here in this discourse between God and Moses between Exodus chapter 24 and, and chapter 33. And many are familiar and have, have read that passage or heard that passage quoted where Moses pleads to the Lord, show me thy glory. 
The word glory there in the Hebrew is, it means God's inherent wealth, his splendor, and his honor. Show me your inherent wealth, splendor, and honor. The scripture tells us in Psalms 72 that God's name is glorious. It's the same Hebrew word. And it tells us in Psalms 24 that he is the king of glory. And then in Psalms 29, he is the God of glory. And in Psalms chapter 3, the writer says, he is my glory. And the lifter of my head. God's glory is declared throughout the scripture. Throughout every book. The Lord wanted us somehow to understand it. But yet he told Moses that. You can't really see my face. No man can see my face. And live. If we back up. A few chapters to Exodus chapter 24 and begin reading with verse 9. The scripture said, Then went up Moses and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. The Lord is calling them up to Mount Sinai. Now, they're only going to go a certain distance, and then Moses is going to go to the very top. And the Bible said that they saw the God of Israel. They saw him. They laid eyes on him. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone. And as it were, the body of heaven in his clearness. Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and these 70 elders saw the Lord. In verse 16 of the same chapter, the Bible said, The glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai. And the cloud covered it six days, and the seventh day he called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire. The sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on the top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel. And Moses went into the midst of the cloud. And got him up into the mount, and Moses was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights. Now this is nine chapters prior to the verse of scripture where Moses said, show me thy glory. They've already seen the Lord up in the heavens. They've seen the sapphire stone. They have seen all of this brilliant depiction of God. They have seen the glory on the top of the mountain. It was as a devouring fire. And yet nine chapters later, Moses is saying, Lord, show me thy glory. For seven chapters between Exodus 24 and 33, God lays out the plan for the tabernacle. He tells him about the priestly robes. 
the garments, the offerings, and the sacrifices that they would be participating in that would keep them in covenant with him. God was essentially signing the covenant with them. And he was teaching them how to worship, how to practice their relationship with him, and how to move forward. But in chapter 32, as Moses descends the mountain, he descends the mountain to the sound of music and rioting in the, in the valley. And they were partying. And as he focuses on the center of the action, he sees a familiar sight. It was one of the gods of Egypt, the golden calf. And they were participating in all of this lewd behavior. The Bible said that they were naked. And they had created this god. and They were worshiping it as if it was the god that had brought them out of Egyptian bondage. And so Moses begins to have a conversation with Aaron. And Aaron begins this series of excuses and blaming. Well, we, you know, we kind of took up some of the jewelry and we tossed it in, in the fire and then out came this calf. I don't know how it happened. But it, it must be the God that brought us out of Egypt. And the Bible said that they were worshiping Aaron's calf. In Exodus 32 and 30, God informed them that, or Moses informed the children of Israel after this whole situation, this debacle that they had gotten themselves in. Moses tells them that he was leaving them again. He's already been gone for 40 days and 40 nights. And now he says, I'm, I'm leaving again this time to ascend the mount on your behalf on a mission of intercession. Because he knew that God's divine judgment was only in the inaugural stage and he would attempt to lessen the severity of the Lord's holy wrath that he knew certainly was going to come down upon them. These extreme circumstances of the rebellion of the children of Israel required this drastic strategy on the part of Moses. He planned to offer his own life on behalf of the people, saying to God, if you're going to take them, you're going to have to take me. And he was there to make an atonement because sometimes desperate times call for desperate measures. But the Lord rejected the offer. He rejected it. And God decided that the guilty would be punished indeed. In Exodus 32 and 35, the Lord plagued the people because they made the calf which Aaron made. They worshiped Aaron's calf. It would only be a few Verses later, even though it feel, felt like and seemed like that the Lord had rejected Israel, this plague had come into the camp. The, the Lord was wroth, he was angry, and yet in verse 1 of the very next chapter, the Lord said unto Moses, Depart and go up hence, thou and the people, 
which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, Unto thy seed will I give it. Now let me just say this morning that the promise is sure. That all the promises of God are in him, yea, and in him, amen. The Lord is going to find somebody to take into his promises. The fact that some are not willing to go into the promises of God is not going to subtract from or negate the promise itself. The Lord makes a sovereign promise and he will bring it to pass. So it's, it's like the Lord is saying, in spite of the fact that you just substituted me for a calf of gold, he said, I need you to get up and I need you to carry on. We've got a promised land to inherit. In verse uh, 2 of the same chapter, he said, I will send an angel before thee and I will drive them out. In verse 3, he tells him it's a land that is flowing with milk and honey. Now, I want you to pay attention here because this was not a cursed land. And this was not a land of poverty. This was a land that flowed with milk and honey. The Lord was trying to take them into the great blessings of God. The Lord has great things in store for us. He is not taking us into a cursed land. And he is not leading us toward poverty, but he has a plan and he has, he has this strategy that he is trying to lay out not only for the church at large, but for our individual lives. The Lord is trying to take us into a great and mighty promise full of the blessings of God. Now, if you choose the curse, that's on you. If you choose poverty, that's on you. But he said, I didn't call you out of slavery to take you to a cursed land. I brought you out to take you to a land that flows with milk and honey. Now, that's for anybody that thinks that living for God is just, it's just full of poverty and full of cursings and full of suffering and full of trouble and all. I understand there is suffering and there's trouble at times and bad things happen to good people. But the end result is he's trying to get us to a land that flows with milk and honey. In verse 4 of the same chapter, it said, No man did put on his ornaments. That's an interesting statement. No man did put on his uh, ornaments. <clears throat> and then in verse 5, it said, therefore, now put off thy ornaments from thee. The word ornament there means jewelry. In verse 6, in the Living Bible, it said, so after that, they wore no jewelry. There's some things that you have to eliminate from your life when the Lord calls you to go forward. I didn't get a lot of amens on that, but that's all right. There are some things that the Lord is going to cut out of your life if you're going to go into a deeper place with him. If you're going to get to a place where you see the next dimension of his glory. Yeah. If you're going to get to a place where you say, hey, look, I've seen the power of God. I saw it on the mountain. I saw the sapphire stone. I saw into the heavens. I saw the cloud come down upon the mountain. But yet there is something more that I am looking for with the presence of God. I'm trying to get to a place where I see his glory. 
in a dimension that I've never seen it before. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord and give him praise? Now, if you jump down to verse 11, the Bible said the Lord spoke unto Moses face to face. Now, this is after he's seen the cloud on the mount. This is after he has seen the Lord high and lifted up and the sapphire stone. This is after he has seen the devouring fire. The Lord spoke unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. In verse 15, he said unto him, the Lord, or Moses said unto the Lord, because God said, I'm going to send an angel before you, but I am not going with you on this journey. I'll send an angel, but I'm not going myself. I'm still angry about the golden calf. And Moses said unto him, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. If you're not going, then, then we're not going. We, we can't go where you don't go. Somebody needs to make up in their mind this morning that if the Lord is not going with you, you may be headed in the wrong direction. I, I, I'm thankful. I, I, I know you're waiting on me to preach here, and I, and I will. I will. I'm laying some groundwork. But, but you need to understand that you can't do this alone. And even if the Lord puts an angel with you, if the presence of God is not going with you, there is a problem somewhere. It could just be that there is a golden calf in your life and some things that the Lord needs to eliminate from you. Can you say amen if you believe that? And so the Bible says that God speaks to Moses. Somewhere after this, he says, show me thy glory. He has seen this great demonstration of God. And he says to Moses, he said, no man has seen my face and lived. But he said, there is a place beside me. And he said, that rock right there, I want you to go stand upon that rock. And he said, I'm going to pass by that rock. And he said, when I pass by, I'm going to take my hand and I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. Now, I know we think we know what the cleft of the rock is. But there's only one rock, and that is Christ. And that cleft of the rock was indicative of a smitten, crucified, wounded, slain Savior. It's all right. You can be Sunday morning all you want to. And what he was trying to tell him was, I've shown you some great things, but there's only some things I'm going to be able to show you from the perspective of the rock. There's only some things I'm going to be able to show you from the side of a wounded Savior and from a slain body and a crucified body that had been smitten for the sins of humanity. There's only some things. It's not time, Moses, for you or anybody else to see my face. But there is coming a time when I am going to take humanity and I'm going to put them in the cleft of the rock. I'm going to set them within the side of a wounded Savior. And I am going to allow them to see me through the eyes of Christ. Are you listening to me here this morning? 
You're living in a time in the Old Testament when things are still concealed. You're looking through a glass darkly. You're looking through symbolism. But there is coming a time under a new covenant. I, I have barely established the old covenant with you. But I am pointing toward a new covenant. And what he was trying to tell Moses was this old covenant is good. But it's still going to leave you hungry for more of my glory. And I cannot give more of my glory until I put humanity in the cleft of the rock. Until I set them within Christ himself. It is indicative of an empty tomb. I'm, I'm trying to preach to somebody this morning and tell you, you've got to have faith in an empty tomb here this morning. Somebody's going to have to stand in the faith of a resurrected Savior who was tortured and mutilated for the sins of humanity. And the Lord wants to take somebody and put them in Christ here today and put them within the, the cleft of the rock so that you can see God's glory and see his face. Come on, somebody praise him right now. Come on, somebody praise him right now. Show me thy wealth. Show me thy splendor. Show me thy extreme honor. Moses, I've shown you as much as I can. Amen. I've shown you as much as I can, but I can only show you my back. Amen. I can only show you my back from the cleft of the rock. I can only show you those stripes for humanity from the cleft of the rock. I, I, I couldn't show you on the mountaintop, but I can show you from the cleft of the rock. There's something about getting in Christ that covers all of the filth and the iniquity of our lost humanity. There, there is something about Christ when we feel inept and we feel insecure and we feel that there is no way to get in the true glory of God when you get into Christ and you realize that a perfect man became the substitute for imperfect humanity and you realize that you didn't deserve it but he did it anyway and you're not trying to measure up to him but Christ measured up to him and when you get into Christ, when you're baptized into Christ, and when Christ gets in you and you're filled with the Holy Ghost, there is a glory that will come upon your life. John talked about it in John chapter 1 and verse 14. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. What glory? The only, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The glory that you're looking for Moses is grace. The glory that you're looking for is grace and truth. It is the fullness of my power and gospel. Now, when we get to the New Testament, the word glory there is the Greek word doxa. And it means the dox, it talks about the doxa of man, the glory of man and the glory of God in the Greek. The doxa of man is human opinion. It is shifty. I'm reading from Thayer's lexicon. It is shifty. It's uncertain. And it's often based on error. And in its pursuit for its own safety, it is unworthy. But there is a glory of God which must be 
absolutely true and changeless. I'm reading from theirs. God's opinion marks the true value of things as they appear in the eternal mind. The Lord is looking at you, not through natural eyes, but through the eternal mind of God. He is not looking at your now. He's looking at your future. He is not looking at your mistake. He is looking at your potential. He's not looking at your failure. He's looking at what you're going to become. God's opinion marks the true value. The true value of you is what you are and who you are in Jesus Christ in the cleft of the rock. The glory of God must mean his unchanging essence. Giving glory to God is ascribing to him his full recognition. The true glory of man, on the other hand, is the ideal condition in which God created man. This condition was lost in the fall and is recovered. I'm sorry, in the fall and is recovered through Christ. God recovered us from the fall through Jesus Christ, through the rock Christ Jesus, and exists as a real fact in the divine mind of God. The believer waits for this complete restoration. The glory of God is what he is essentially. The glory of created things, including man, is what they are meant by God to be. The created world is always seen through the mind of God by its potential. That's why he told Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. I don't see you as one man and one woman, but I see your fruitfulness. And I see you as a race of people. I see your family lineage and your family line. I don't see you as two individuals that aren't going anywhere, that are just living in a garden for the rest of your life. But I see a world that is populated by people that I'm going to send my son to die for. And this glory that they're going to be looking for will only be realized when I roll myself in flesh and reveal my glory through humanity. The only way that they're going to understand the glory that I'm leading them to is for them to see my glory through the flesh that I roll myself in. The Lord is trying to take us to a place where we are, where we obtain the perfect glory of God. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17 and 18. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed. Everybody say we're changed. Into the same image. What same image? The glory of the Lord. We are changed into the same image from glory to glory. The reason there's so much pressure is because the Lord is trying to push you and thrust you and pressure you into the next level of his glory to reveal more of his power. Amen. So that after you have come out of sickness and out of disease, you can come out and say, let me tell you who the healer is. He don't wear a white jacket. He don't have a stethoscope around his neck. Amen. He doesn't have a private practice, but he is the healer of the universe. And the reason I've known it is because looking out from the cleft of the rock, I saw his back, and I know who he is. I'm moving from glory to glory this morning. 
You can be seated for a moment. The tragedies and the, the frustrations and the suffering that we go through in this life. I feel my help here right now. The things that we suffer in this life, they are not for our detriment, but they are for our good. He is not taking us to a cursed land. He's taking us to a land that flows with milk and honey. He is not trying to take away our blessings. He is trying to set us up for the next level of blessing. He is moving us from glory, from glory, from doxa to doxa. He's moving us from the doxa of man to the doxa of God. But he's got to allow us to go through the valley every once in a while. He's got to allow us to see the debauchery of this world once in a while. He's got to allow us to bear witness to the golden calves that people dance around. But in all of that, when we come out of that, there is something in us that says, show me your glory, God. I've seen the calf, but show me your glory. I've seen the debauchery of this world. But show me your glory, not just out there, God, on the mountain, but reveal it in me. And God said, I'll do it, but I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. And from there, you're going to see what you can't see otherwise. Come on, clap, clap your hands unto the Lord and give him praise. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, according as his divine power hath given us all things. Everybody say all things. That pertain unto life and godliness, a land that flows with milk and honey. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Not cursings, not disaster, amen, but life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him, he gave it to us. Through the knowledge of him that had called us to glory and virtue. Amen. That that was in Moses. The Lord has put in some people in this building. Aren't you tired of the mess going on in the world? Aren't you tired of the, the junk that you have to go through with, with no hope of things getting better? Aren't you tired of laying out of the house of the Lord? Aren't you tired of just trying to wander your way through life and trying to make things happen? Well, I've got an angel with me. If the Lord isn't with you, if the presence of the Lord doesn't go with you, you're wasting your time. You can head in the direction of the promised land, but unless you have the glory of God, the Ark of the Covenant, to, to stand in the Jordan River, when you get ready to cross over into that place, you can't get there. That's a type of water baptism. You can't get into the promise without the glory and without water baptism. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody right now about the cleft of the rock. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 15, I won't be much longer. In the Living Bible, it said, yes, even today, when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are blind. You, you can know the word and still be blind. You can, you can read the Bible and still be blind. You can quote the law and still be blind. You can win a Bible quizzing contest and still be blind. He said, they read Moses' writings, but their heart, their hearts are blind. And they think that obeying the Ten Commandments is the way to be saved. 
But whenever anyone turns to the Lord from his sins, listen, repentance, the veil is taken away. There's some things you're not going to see until you repent. There's some things you're not going to see about God until you do it through Christ. You can't do this on your own. You can't do this by yourself. He said when they turn the Lord when they turn from their sins the veil is taken away. The Lord is that spirit who gives them life and where he is there is freedom from trying to be saved by keeping the laws of God. It's about relationship and not laws. If you keep the relationship you'll keep the law. But just because you have the law doesn't mean you have the relationship. He said, but we Christians have no veil over our faces. We can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of the Lord. And as the spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like him. The Lord is working to transform people. But there's going to have to be some things that the Lord tells you in the valley. It's time for you to cut some things out of your life. The Bible said from that point, they went forward and they wore no more jewelry. I'm just reading the scripture. So that's Old Testament stuff. You're not telling me. You, you need to read the New Testament. It's in the New Testament too. The Lord said you can't bring idolatry from your past into our relationship. You, you can't have any of the gods before me. You, you can't bring your past grudges from your past into the future relationship between you and I. If you want to see my glory, you're going to have to lay down your glory because your glory is full of pride. And your glory is full of arrogance. And your glory is full of carnality and full of flesh. Come on, I'm closing right now. If you want my glory, you're going to have to surrender to me. You're going to have to lay everything down and let go and quit telling me what you're going to keep in, my, in your life. I'm trying to take you from glory to glory. Oh, I wish somebody would hear me right now. Oh, God is trying to take us from glory to glory. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stay standing if you would. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The glory of God is only revealed in the face of of Jesus Christ. The rock was split for your transgressions. The rock was broken for your iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we're healed. Can I have your full attention right now? You get one life to prepare for eternity. One. I'm not getting into scare tactics. It's just reality. You come across a train track at the wrong time. 
signals broken. You go through an intersection, somebody on the other side of the intersection is texting. They don't see the light turn red, they run the red light. An aneurysm explodes in your brain, a blood clot, heart attack. We don't have the promise of tomorrow. Your life is but a vapor. You have one life. Do you want to spend that life arguing with God over the things that he says are keeping you from seeing his glory? Is that what we want to do? Is that what living for God is? Because when I live for something, I'm all in. I'm going all in with him. I'm not holding anything back. So whatever it is that the Lord would require of me to let go of. If it's an attitude, if it's physical, if it's, if it's stubbornness, if it's a relationship. Whatever the Lord is requiring of me this morning. We can't just come to church and say, God, take me to the promised land. Take me to that place that flows with milk and honey. Lord, show me your glory. And come in here and weep and feel goosebumps and feel the presence of God. And the Lord says, I will if you'll let go of that. I'll take you from this glory to that glory. But you've got to let go of this. Whoa, I, I don't want to do that. I, I, I just want to see your glory. He said, you're going to have to see it from the cleft of the rock. You know what that's saying to us? The next time you think I'm requiring too much, I'm talking about the Lord. The next time you think I'm requiring too much, look what I let happen to my own son. The Lord would love to help some people in here this morning. The Lord would love to minister in somebody's heart. But you're going to have to be willing to let him pull you away from the wrong atmosphere and put you in the cleft of the rock. Somebody needs to fall into the arms of Jesus here this morning. Father, we need you. Father, we need you in this place. We pray, God, that your mighty hand would move. Would you pray with me? I'm asking the church to help me pray right now. In this building today are people lost in sin. Suffocating in the things of this world, drowning, drowning in iniquity. Lord, in Jesus' name, God, I pray that conviction would settle down in this place, God. Let us feel the pricking of the heart of God and the hand of God upon our heart. Let us feel the, the conviction of godliness. Let us feel godly sorrow that worketh repentance. Help me pray, church. Father, in your name, God, as your presence begins to move in this place, if there's anybody here today that has drifted from you or is trying to get to you, 
Maybe they've seen the cloud on the mountaintop. Maybe they've laid eyes on the sapphire stone. Maybe they've talked to you face to face. But there's still something in them that says, show me thy glory. There's something in them that says, I need more of Jesus. I need more. God, I pray that you put somebody in the cleft of the rock this morning. Hide them in Jesus this morning. Hide them in Christ. In Jesus' name, I feel a visitation of the Holy Ghost in here right now. Come on, I, I need some people to pray in the Holy Ghost. Before we open these altars, I, 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 I'm reaching for somebody that needs to make up in your mind today. I'm, I'm not staying here in this glory. I'm going to that glory. I'm not staying in my own glory. I'm not staying in the shiftiness of my own personality and my politics and my personal agenda. I'm moving into the glory of God. In the